0: support makes it possible, please make a donation today at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Hear me! Oh, hear me! All pay heed! The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these 15, like, ten! Ten commandments! Stand up philosopher. What? Stand up philosopher. I coalesce the vapor of human experience into a viable and logical comprehension. Oh, a bullshit artist. Mm-hmm. you bullshit last week? No. Did you try to bullshit last week?
1: Yes. Out in the street, they call it.
2: The Winslow T Broadcast Booth in wintry mixy Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And this is Race to the Bottom Baby. Off everybody digs Bill Evans. That's Bill Evans (laughs) with Night and Day. And my opening monologue, as always, is sponsored by a little uh, startup called Winslow Tea. Only been around since 1872. And I'm drinking it right now. Mm. Mmm. Just consistent. It's kind of like when you're going on a road trip. And my, my dear wife actually hit me out to this. As much as you want to support uh, your local businesses, when you're in the middle of Pennsylvania, I don't know if you want to stop at Ricky's, Ricky's uh, Clam Shack, you know, so uh, just go to McDonald's. I know, McDonald's, uh, I'm going to blow your mind with this, but McDonald's is kind of a a multinational uh, corporation. But it's consistent, and uh, you know you know what you're gonna get. You get what you get, and you don't get upset. Do you believe in that philosophy? Let us know in the chat. But anyway, my point was that Winslow Tea is is kind of like uh, a McDonald's type vibe, where uh, you just it's just a solid beverage. Hot, cold, lukewarm, over ice, milk and sugar, lemon wedge, au naturel. you know the drill. Hashtag your tea drinking experiences with hashtag how you know to steep into the conversation. Or if you are a, a, a slurper, um, hashtag uh, slurp to enhance, and um, that'll also do the trick. So why don't we uh, why don't we get down to brass tacks? Get down to nitty gritty, get the show on the road, and um, and I'll let you know what's in, what was in that mashup. It was short but sweet, beginning with um, Mel Brooks as Moses, bringing out the 15, no, crash, 10 commandments from History of the World Part 1. And why did I start with Mel Brooks? Because we're going to talk about Mel Brooks today a little bit. With my uh, with my dear buddy, Scott Bunn, who will be calling in uh, the radio program shortly. I figured I've been think- talking about this. If you're a loyal uh, listener of the program, you know that I've been talking about doing a Mel Brooks show and how I kind of wanted to do... Um, He'll do a show while he could still smell the roses. And I know that Mel Brooks tunes in every uh, Saturday to the show. And, um, Mr. Brooks, I just wanted to salute you while you could still, uh, appreciate it. Uh, I know you're getting up there. How old, how old is, is dear Mel? Is he 93? Research team? How old is Mel Brooks? Um, cause oftentimes you, you, you get these shows where it's like oh um gone too soon (laughs) Betty White gone too soon right ripped from us um after the person's passed in memoriam and um I want to get out ahead of this one so Scott and I are going to be talking about Mel Brooks in addition to Scott's um Wonderful. Uh, would, he, would, he, would he call it a blog? I'm going to ask him. Recliner Notes. It's a it's a website um, that features his writing, and we'll get into Recliner Notes as well. We also heard from uh, TLC, and I started the week. I'll give you a peek into peek into my week. That's a new segment uh, sponsored by Wendlow T. Peek into my week. Mmm. Mm. Ah, still good. Started out uh, the week feeling pretty good about myself. I got to school uh, on... Uh, I am a middle school English teacher, for those uh, who are uninitiated. Um, and my name is John Reed, and you're listening to <laughs> Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom. Um... And I had a song stuck in my head, and I couldn't tell what it was. I just had one line of a song uh, uh, that was as follows. I I asked um, research teams getting in touch with me, uh, <laughs> how old is Mel Brooks? Thank you, research team. I had a song stuck in my head, one line that was, I was telling with my honey and and um I couldn't really um you know when you have a song stuck in your head I couldn't Shazam it cuz I couldn't I just I didn't have it to play. He's 95. Wow. But then I, I, so I asked a few of my students. I was like, "Do you know this song?" I was chilling with, my, and i and then I started thinking. I, it, I think it is. I was chilling with my something. What could it possibly be? And then I, I, I googled a few things, and I realized that, that the, the lyrics indeed were, "I was chilling with my Kool Aid when Miss Chili came to relay," and it's from the song. Diggin' On You by TLC. And it's a it's a bop, as the kids say now. <music> Sneeze button. It's different than a cough button. And then we heard from uh, Soundgarden. And last week I disparaged Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam for singing like a dude. Um and I'm more of a Soundgarden guy. I like Chris Cornell's voice. I like how it's kind of a mixture of hair metal and, and like Aretha Franklin or something. And I remember when Soundgarden came out. Well, I, I guess they'd already come out, but new to when they started getting played on MTV. And uh they had this song, Gonna break my rustic! Edge and run and marcus williams and i man we'd love that song and we would sit together in in synergy class our computer class and we would just he had sound the the uh, bad motor finger cassette and we would try to get coach woodson to play it but as i've said before on this program Coach Woodson just wanted to play the, uh, the Garth Brooks record over and over in, in computer class. Except for the one time I let he let me play uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic and I got about halfway into uh, um, Apache Rose Peacock and he said, nope, not appropriate. We heard another little clip from History of the World Part 1 and that was the mashup. Okay? Okay. Now, I forgot to even do anything about this, but I just do want to mark that uh, we have been on the on the air here uh, with Radio Free Brooklyn, Race to the Bottom Industries for more than three years. Now we've passed the 150 show mark, and we're just going to keep uh, keep rolling. It's like when uh George Bush said for too long Americans has has said if it feels good do it. But now we live by a new creed, let's roll. And that's kind of kind of the uh race to the bottom creed as well. Um it is March and just a little housekeeping we are not doing March sadness this year. Um it's just a little annoying to me to have to do it, and repetitive, and we got enough, we don't need to do like a cutesy thing where we celebrate our sadness this year, there's enough going on, and um, if I could continue my peek into uh, the week, is that what it was called, peek into my week, Um, I had a horrible day. And that's why I played that um, Soundgarden song. It's called The Day I Tried to Live. And if you're ever having a bad day, you need some catharsis, you blast that song. But I had one of these days where, like, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. I got, um... I forgot to bring my Winslow in the morning, so I went to this coffee shop, and I got cold brew coffee. Did they put, um methamphetamines or something in cold brew. I can't handle it. I was having a a low-key panic attack and like spilling the coffee all over me and then it was just one bad thing to the next. And then also this week, I listened to um, the journalist Masha Gessen on Fresh Air talking about Russia and Ukraine and Putin and I got the feeling uh, that I got in February 2020 where I listened to something about, about COVID and previous to that I'd just been like yeah whatever it's like Ebola it's not going to be a thing swine flu bird flu who cares but I heard this thing and I was like... I remember I went into school and went into the teacher's lounge. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's coming. <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt after um, listening to Masha Gessen kind of play out... Um, what uh, the end game of this conflict in Russia might be. So... Um, You know, I guess in light of it being three years of Race to the Bottom and, you know, 2022, we had a good run, guys. Um, Life on Earth has been fun. Um, And uh, thank you for (laughs) listening to this uh, little radio program, and we'll see how things uh, pan out. But, man, as I've said before, I I don't really have much uh, to offer. Um, you know, there's tons of people talking, spewing misinformation on the far right and the alt left and, uh, every which way. Um, I just, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to, how we're going to make it through this thing, but I guess we've got to appreciate the little things. Like uh, the Oscars, right? And that is what the show's gonna be about next week. We got Eric and Corey coming on to talk about the ten. You remember, it used to be like three or four Oscar nominations, right? Every time I say that, I say less. It used to be one Oscar nomination, right? And they just gave it to now. Now it's ten. And I'm working my way through the Oscar noms. But a nom is not a nod. You got to remember, a nom is not a nod. You get the nom, and then only one gets the nod. And I've done nine. My wife and I have made it through nine of the ten. And... We just have Drive My Car left. Come on, baby, drive my car. I went to the movie theater to see a uh, um, first movie since COVID. Got a phone call. Radio Free Brooklyn, this is John Reed speaking. How can I help you?
1: This is Scott Bunn calling in for a race to the bottom.
2: <laughs> hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Um, I'm I'm okay. Yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty well. You, um, just to let the listener in. I hope this isn't an invasion of privacy. You you don't have power in your house. Is that true?
1: That's right. I'm calling from uh, Asheville, North Carolina. We had a freak little storm last night um and it's windy we've got ice and snow knocked out power this morning so my winslow tea is extra icy this morning
2: (laughs) winslow slushy (laughs)
1: yeah yeah
2: have you ever had but i'm here yeah i'm flying blind but
1: i'm here sorry
2: you're flying blind but you're here have you ever had one of those um you know there's like the seltzer be uh like the, the hard seltzer, but now there's like the tea, like the spiked tea. Have you had one of yes. those?
1: Yes. <laughs> I have not. I, I've been, you know, usually those commercials come on during sporting events, football games, and yeah. I've been with groups of uh, people when we've seen those commercials. And to a person, everybody goes, Oh, why would you drink one of those? Yeah.
2: Well, uh, uh, to my knowledge, Winslow Tea does not have a spiked tea, which I'm I'm thankful for because I don't want to have to shill for that, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've devoted enough of your life to that brand. <laughs>
2: well, they're good to me, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Makes me laugh.
2: Um. So, Scott, I'm so glad to have you on the show, and we have we have a few things to um to get through. Um well I don't want to say it like that. Uh, that makes it seem transactional.
1: But Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> I we have a plethora, we have a wealth of, of things that, that I want to talk to you about. How's that for a reframe?
1: That's great. I'm excited to to exchange viewpoints with you.
2: I had a therapist that said you shouldn't say I have to do X and X. You should say I get to do this.
1: Oh. That is good therapy right there. Yeah. That's Winslow T. money well spent.
2: <laughs> so I told you, you, you did tell me that your uh, power was out and you were flying blind, so you didn't get to hear my uh, opening monologue sponsored by uh, Winslow no. T. And you didn't uh, steep into the conversation or, <laughs> or uh, you know, hashtag slurp to enhance. Um, but I did text you. You said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to slam uh, Dune. Uh, the movie Dune, which I saw last night, but I haven't gotten to that yet. So I want to just quickly okay. sw- slam Dune, okay?
1: Okay, good. To do a quick slam.
2: Um. So, uh, so yeah, I, I paid twenty bucks to watch Dune on on a, uh, uh, you know, streaming. Um, and I don't know. I guess it just wasn't for me. I felt like uh, when you're, I felt like I was a kid, like in um in elementary school when they would, like, put a science video on and you would just try to crack jokes the whole time. Um, I did like that there was a character called, uh, Duncan Idaho. Um, Yes. (laughs) Maybe the dumbest name I've ever heard in my life. Um, but I guess, like, I, it felt like the whole movie was just, uh, like, world building of, of this Dune world, um, you know, it was just so much rigmarole. Like I guess that they're just planning to have like forty of these movies, but it was just like, let's explain all the rules um of this this world. There's the voice, uh you know, you, you I guess that's kind of like the force. You can use this voice uh to command people if you say something in the right tone. Um That's right. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Scott, but is the TV show, The Voice, going to do a tie-in with that?
1: <laughs> We're like... Man, you are all about the vertical marketing this <laughs> morning. <it>. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, they should. I mean, um, yeah, I always thought of it as like, like the mom voice, you yeah. know, like if your mom, like... Um, takes that certain tone you know it's time to start goofing off and like okay i i, I really yeah. better do what what says or i'm in real trouble they so. say your
2: your full name they yes s-
1: exactly jonathan but dean you Reed. Yes, but you have to do it in dune voice like scott william <laughs> bond
2: <laughs> um i was excited to see bono from fences um in in the movie I- <laughs> yeah. not bono from u2 but bono uh from from fences um
1: i, th- I think bono from u2 is in there somewhere <laughs> too with his like futuristic shades you yeah. know
2: um t- timothy chalamet who i do uh appreciate um i didn't like him in this um mm. is is he playing the same character that he did in little women
1: is... <laughs> yeah, probably or in the the bike riding movie too yeah um,
2: uh we got oscar isaac who i uh maintain is the most boring actor of
1: all time that's right i forgot about that you you have a very hard uh hard stop with him.
2: Mm-hmm. you had zendaya from american idol right <laughs> Wasn't there a person, named, like a, a breakout like weirdo from American Idol, called Zendaya?
1: I, I, I don't know. Uh, I am not part of the American Idol extended universe. Okay.
2: Um, they have this thing called the shield, right? Where you can like put a shield over yourself where you're, when you're fighting, mm-hmm. and it's like a mm-hmm. blue a blue thing around you. Yeah. Um, that's cheating.
1: It's not. It's not self defense. It's just like uh, a cheat code.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just found it uh, the movie incredibly boring. And why? Answer me this, Scott. And then we'll move on to better things. Why is the why? And it's not just Dune, but it's like multiple sci fi fantasy things that are supposedly set in the future. Why is it so? Why is the future like the past? Why does it always look like it's like the future, but it's also like like fifteen hundred years ago,
1: right, yeah, um so I mean, I think there are some particulars about this world that explain that um oh, so,
2: I need more so particulars,
1: now, yeah, cards on the table. I did read these books when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did quite enjoy them. They're actually great yeah. for high school science fiction fantasy nerds like me. Yeah. It, um, and, and then there's uh, like a hundred of these books. I think I read three, and I think by the third one, I was like, okay, I kind of get it. You know, I, I don't need to do anymore. But didn't Fred Her- um,
2: Fred Herbert only wrote the first three or something, right? And then it was like, like his that. son.
1: Yeah. And so um, so I actually kind of liked the movie because I was like, oh, they did it, you know, okay. they, they adapted this well, you know. So, you know, I would say that that story works best as a novel, you know, mm-hmm. um, though I think the adaptation was successful for, you know, oh, that's kind of what was in my brain. So, okay. I I was good with it, um, but I could also see... First of all, John, I'll I'll listen to you um, not like something for hours. Uh, I find that immensely entertaining. So, uh, you know, I'm not taking any of this to heart. But there is something, something in the world building that explains, like, why there's, like sort of medieval imagery uh-huh. and uh, combined with, you know, space stuff.
2: I did like how the planes fly. They're like little um, like uh, hummingbirds. I liked how their wing, yeah. their wings work. That was one thing I liked about the movie.
1: Yeah, I thought there were a lot of details that were pretty cool, but I could also see how if one didn't know what was happening, you know, like Levi, my son, was just like, like yelling at the screen, probably like you boring. Yeah. Do something, you know. Like, Good. You know. Whereas my, my daughter Stella, my my daughter Stella in high school was actually kind of into okay. it, but I think Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya, whatever her name is, mm-hmm. um, like that was a big part of it.
2: Yeah. Um, the worms look like a a butt buttholes. <laughs> All right. So uh we we originally got uh Scott we we'd love to have you on the show, but the the original idea that we were going to do was to do a whole show on Mel Brooks. Mm. And I explained uh before you called in um that I wanted to do a, a show about Mel Brooks while he could still smell the roses, you know? Mm, uh yeah. You know, a lot of, as I explained, a lot of times we do these, um, you know, theme shows or, or tribute shows after somebody's passed away. But I, I, I want to, um, uh, honor Mel. Um, but then you and I were talking and, and I, we, we have other stuff we want to talk about as well. So, um, I, I thought we could just do like Mel's moment, uh, like a little Brook, a Brooks bit. Uh, you know what I'm saying?
1: Like a little. <laughs> You 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 give an example and then I'll I'll follow up with mine. How about that?
2: Well, there's just a I I'm just saying let's cordon off like uh, um, James Corden. Um, (laughs) Let's cordon off like uh, five minutes to talk about Mel Brooks and then and then I want to talk about your your brilliant uh, project and website uh, Recliner Notes for the rest of the time.
1: And, And then how about this? We'll come on. I'll I'll come on again. And we'll just do another Mel Brooks moment. How about we just do one? Oh, yeah. Every time I come uh, come on, we'll, we'll get it sponsored by somebody. Yeah. And that'll just be uh, Mel Brooks' corner or Corden Doff's area of yeah. the room.
2: Uh, maybe James Corden could, could sponsor uh, the, the Corden. <laughs> so uh, what if we do this real quick? Um how, okay. how about this I I have a list of of his movies um and we'll just I'll just go through it we'll do rapid fire whether we've seen uh the movie um uh, w- and just our kind of our quick take on on it All right okay.
1: Yeah go for uh, it Uh the producers Sure love that movie Um you know who loved that movie was um my father-in-law, who mm-hmm. is no longer with us, loved that movie so much. Um, springtime for Hitler. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's really only one person who could have come up with that idea, executed it to such a way, and then have it be such a hit, uh, both on the screen and then as a like blockbuster musical, yeah. and that's Mel Brooks. There's really nobody else who could occupy that space to make those jokes, Yeah, to make the worst possible play um, turning into, yeah, exploding in their, on purpose, exploding in their face, and then have it be called Springtime for yeah. Heather. I mean, it's just, the whole thing is just brilliant, and that can only come from the brain of mm-hmm. Mel Brooks.
2: Mm-hmm. Love, love the producers. And I guess... You're kind of touching on something that people will say often with Mel Brooks, like, oh, you couldn't make that today, um, you know, and getting into, like, the cancel culture thing, which I want to avoid because I just don't believe in can- cancel culture. Uh, but, <laughs> like, not that I don't, believe, I don't believe that it should happen. I don't believe that it really exists. But um, I do think that uh, you couldn't make it then. Like what what you're saying. Like right. no, it, it's not that you couldn't make it today. It's that only Mel Brooks could make make the movie and make it work,
1: um, and make it work. And that's yeah. the that's the key part because there's so many layers to it, and it has to have the right tone in all of the different layers of it. Yeah, and he's he's the only one that can make it in that way. Um, and that's his just singular genius.
2: Have you seen the, the season of, I think it's like season four or five of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm where, where Larry does a um, a turn at the producers?
1: Oh my gosh, that was incredible. Yeah. And then the payoff in the last episode, like we all should have seen it coming, but <laughs> my wife Jenny and I were just floored because yeah. we're like, oh my gosh, they did this and it was just I uh, uh, we were just uh beyond ourselves. It 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 sort of yeah, the way it tied up the entire season was mm-hmm. just incredible.
2: And it's great to see Larry David and Mel Brooks together uh, sharing the screen and, and uh Yeah. Um twelve chairs.
1: I've never seen it.
2: I haven't either, but I watched this documentary on Mel Brooks, and I need to see it because supposedly it was kind of his favorite thing he ever did. It totally flew under the radar, so maybe next time you come on, we we will have both watched Twelve Chairs, and we can do oh, our. I like our, that homework. We can do our cordon um, uh, cordoned <laughs> off section. <laughs> we got to figure out how to how to how to get James Corden involved
1: um blazing saddles um uh i cut me and i bleed blazing saddles um when um my mom she i actually saw my parents in buffalo this weekend and so she reminded me that when i was like a day or two before i was born she went to see blazing saddles wow and she said she laughed so hard that she might have gone into labor as a result. <laughs> so I was in utero when that happened, yeah. or maybe even out of utero. And uh, so and then I also saw Blazing Saddles at way too young of an age. Yeah. Um, my parents denied this, but I was like, I saw this at some party that we were mm-hmm. at. I don't think you hosted it like we were at friends of yours house, and I think I was five or six years old, yeah. and I saw this dirty, profane mm-hmm. uh, movie, and God, I loved it. And I, I've loved it for uh, for a long time.
2: I just watched it again recently, um, actually, when I had COVID, uh, which was weird because I had all the brain fog. And it's, it's – what really um, – Stood out to me on that viewing was how much it breaks the fourth wall, um, and how the whole, the whole ending, um, they kind of break through the set and then run through Hollywood. And I just think it's, um, that's kind of a brilliant thing that you forget about, um, because when you think about it, you think about the kind of the intro and the sheriff coming to town and, and all those, those kind of old timey scenes. But it really is, is kind of a, um, kind of meta masterpiece as well.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's what I distinctly remember from my first viewing when I was a kid Mm -hmm. was, you know, them breaking out of the Western set. Yeah. Like if I watch it now, I'm mostly interested in the Western stuff in the first half, but like as a kid, you know, breaking out of that, there's like the Busby Berkeley Mm -hmm. kind of, um, you know, fantasy segment, um, and then, and then I remember the the shootout between Cleavon Little's character, Sheriff Bart, and Harvey Corman, Eddie, Eddie Lamar. Uh, that's Headley. Um, <laughs> I remember their shootout at at the end at Grauman's Chinese Theater, yes. and him like writhing r- on the ground. Um, uh, and in the, like, the hands that are in the cement outside of Grauman's Chinese Theater. And yeah, that's what I remember. And, but then also there's the great line where there's the big fight between the Western cast, the cast of Blazing Saddles, and like some other cast. And he goes, screw you, I'm working for Mel Brooks, and then <laughs> punches him in the face.
2: Uh, Young Frankenstein, uh, you know, the, I I guess the other big thing that we got to, we didn't mention with Blazing Saddles, um, and you'd be remiss to not mention it with Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein is, um, is just,
1: that's Frankenstein,
2: Frankenstein is just, (laughs) is just Gene Wilder, um, and, uh, one of my all-time favorites and just the way that he worked with with Mel Brooks and and uh it was just magic.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost more of Gene Wilder's movies yeah. than Mel Brooks's movie. You know, they they did co-write it, but it came from Gene Wilder's mm-hmm. um you know, it, it was his idea. Mel Brooks directed it and co-wrote it, but but really it's Gene Wilder's baby and I think Mel Brooks helped him But still, I I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say those two movies, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, came out in the same year, in 1974. That's really incredible. Just quickly on that, for me, my my sister and I, my older sister Libby and I, kind of communicate through Blazing Saddles' lines and Young Frankenstein's lines, um, but especially Young Frankenstein. I mean, we must say behind the book <laughs> uh to each other every time we talk on the telephone or see one another um you know and we figure out some way um to 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 uh to tie it into all of our conversations and so that's the one um i i got shingles during uh the pandemic um Ooh. and so like I was kind of bedridden for that, and so the first movie I watched was was Young Frankenstein. Nice. That's my comfort. Yeah.
2: Um, have you seen Silent Movie?
1: Yeah, I have. Have you? No. It it it's it, it's fun as an exercise. Yeah. Like it's not it's not one of his better movies, but it it is fun. Uh, You won't regret the time spent. There's really one. Can I spoil something for you or do you want to see it? Go for it.
2: Yeah, go spoil it.
1: Okay. So there's only one word spoken throughout the entire movie. Yeah. And it's spoken by Marcel Marceau, who's a mime who never (laughs) says anything in his film work. Love it. And he says one word and it's No. And uh, that's the only line uttered throughout the entire thing, which is pretty great.
2: High anxiety was next. Um, I saw that um, at a pretty young age. That there was this place in the neighborhood. I'm sure you might have had something like this. I think we might have discussed this when we did how the internet has changed us. But the the, the video store that that you frequented, mm-hmm. and they had a they had. Things arranged by like actors and directors, and there was a Mel Brooks section, and and I kind of you know would go kind of go through different actors and directors, and I got high anxiety, and my connection with high anxiety is actually that I didn't know what the word anxiety. I was young enough that I hadn't really heard the word anxiety before. Um, yet I was an extremely anxious kid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just hadn't named that uh, yet. <laughs> and and, yeah. and so seeing that movie was kind of cathartic for me because, uh, you know, the main character uh, suffers from a nervous condition. And I was like, hey, that's me. Um, and, you know, once again, uh, Mel Brooks' uh, career-long kind of obsession trying to grab Grapple with Nazism and kind of you know make sense of this senseless uh, you know uh, uh, reality of the Holocaust and everything um, is pretty fascinating in that one.
1: Well, well, high anxiety is the is the Hitchcock parody, right? Yes, yes, yeah. So my uh, my thing with that again, you talk about the video store, you know. I was like, I want to see High Anxiety, this Mel Brooks movie that I hadn't seen. And my mom said, no, we're going to watch Vertigo first, the, the ah, Hitchcock movie. Cool. She's like, you you won't get this, as many of the jokes unless you see... I, I I had seen The Birds at that point, and I think I had seen Psycho, or at least I knew enough about Psycho to get the jokes. But she said, you really need to watch Vertigo. So that was the a really cool thing. Vertigo is an amazing, weird, deeply yeah. weird movie. Um, and so I saw that, you know, 12, 13, and, you know, here I am wanting to watch, you know, a goofy Mel Brooks movie, but I, I think that's one of the reasons I got into movies so much is because uh-huh. I was like, what is this Vertigo? And so then we watched High Anxiety, and of course, yeah, there's, there's so many great jokes and homages and that. Um, uh, and there's lots of little ones. I, I, I always loved like, um, and North by Northwest, um, the Hitchcock movie, uh, he says his name is Richard O. Thornhill, Cary Grant does. And, uh, Eva St. Marie says, what is the... Her character says, what does the O stand for? And he says, oh, nothing. I just wanted my initials to spell out rot. <laughs> um, and then in high anxiety, the, they said... Um, Mel Brooks's character says his name is Richard H. Thorndike And Madeline Kahn, the beautiful blonde... Yes. Um, uh, in that is says, what does the H stand for? And he says, Harpo... My my parents love the Marx Brothers. And I was like, what a what a funny, weird, specific line that maybe you know ten percent of the movie audience gets. You know, but again, like only only Mel Brooks. Uh, I also love that theme song. I've I've yes. done that for karaoke. Uh, do the Sinatra. Oh, you do a great Sinatra imitation. Mel Brooks does a great Sinatra. <laughs> yes, he as well. does. He does. Uh, so yeah, I I love that song and and have the ability to sing it.
2: Excellent. Uh history of the world part 1. Let's step on the gas a little bit here cuz we haven't even gotten yep. to rec- recliner notes. Uh love it.
1: Love it. It's it's like a sketch. It's like a sketch movie.
2: Yes. Um and then um he had quite a hiatus. And didn't do anything uh, until Spaceballs, which I can basically – that movie came out at the perfect time. I'm a little (laughs) younger than you. Uh, It came out at the perfect time for my age where I can quote kind of that entire movie. And um, I actually used to – perform the movie with my uh, best friend, Michael (laughs) Oberdorfer, we would go into the front room of of my house and uh, kind of set up um, the the different scene dressings and everything, and we would see how far we could get uh, performing the movie. We got pretty far. That's amazing.
1: Incredible. I I also, I, I am a few years older, still young enough to... To, that it it was perfect for myself, my friends, Mike Vago, who I yes. know you've had on many times. He, he loved that. We, um, we joke about it with our friend Tom Bruss. I'll save a, a story from Spaceballs for our next Corden, okay. Mel Brooks Corden.
2: Yeah. Mel Brooks slash James Corden. <laughs> um. <clears throat> uh, life Stinks? I haven't seen it. Never saw it. Uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's fun, fun, fun yeah. little romp. No.
1: Yeah, I I saw it, and there were some funny moments, but I think I was aging out of Mel Brooks a little bit.
2: Yeah, um, he almost got more silly as he he got older. Um, yeah. Dracula Dead, and and he, loving it. Haven't seen it either.
1: Never saw it.
2: It's it's uh with uh, Leslie Nielsen. I kind of want to check it out. Um, you know, and it's a vampire spoof, obviously. Um, and then uh, Curb season, we already talked about. Um, I just wanted to bring, make sure I brought that up. But History of the World Part 2 is supposedly going to be released this year.
1: That's amazing. Uh, I'll see it. Um, yeah, and of course, famously at the end of History of the World Part 1, he says... Here comes History of the World Part Two, and never put out a sequel. Yeah, and um, and it had like Hitler on ice and some other things. <laughs> um, I always thought it was just an excuse to to cram in a few more jokes. So yeah. it's incredible that it's actually going to happen.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that maybe that's when we'll do uh, our 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 second installment of, of Mel Brooks. I like it. Um, all right, so uh on to the amazing recliner notes when you google recliner notes it says uh recliner not working is the first thing that comes up like someone is (laughs) someone's lazy boy is giving them trouble and then recliner notes uh comes on i think you've uh, done yourself a service to have a a name that is is unique right i don't think there's another recliner notes is there
1: um, I don't think so. Tip of the hat to my wife Jenny who came up with that amazing name. I, I love it. I mean playing off of the idea of 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 liner notes, um and it is just some guy in, in his recliner sharing sharing his ideas.
2: So Scott, a lot of people say like uh, and during the pandemic people were like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh Blog some. I there was some fool who said I'm gonna blog every uh Mets game of this uh 60 game shortened season and he made it in like like six games and then gave up. But uh, you know, people say they're gonna write a, a book and and got got like three chapters in. Um, but you you made a goal for yourself to to do uh what 52 Bob Dylan songs this year, one a week.
1: And, uh, no, I did 80, 80 songs. So so Dylan turned 80 last um, April, was it? Yeah. Uh, no, May. And so I got the idea a few weeks before his birthday. Somebody said, here are my 80 favorite Bob Dylan songs. And they wrote like a sentence or two about each. Yeah. And I said, a sentence? <laughs> I could <can> do more <laughs> than that. So... mostly what I've done is two posts a week, um, over the last, yeah, however many weeks that's been since the end of, of May. And so, uh, I've mostly, there've been a week or two where maybe I only did one post a week or maybe I took a a week off, but yeah, I've kind of kept to that. So, uh, I'm on my last week. I'm currently writing the 80th Wow! Um, working on it this morning. The seventy ninth will go up um, Sunday afternoon,
2: and um, I was revisiting a, f- a few of um, your favorites and my favorites um, these past uh, couple days. Um, and I wasn't familiar with the song uh, "Where Are You Tonight." Uh, what's the p- parenth- parenthetical part of the title? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I know it. A journey. Uh, yeah, Where Are You Tonight? Uh, a Dark, uh, sorry, Journey Through Dark Heat. Yes. That's the, that's the parenthetical.
2: So I love that one in, in how much you talk about uh, the imagination and creativity. So a lot of these, they're not just like you breaking down the songs. You always have kind of an angle and bring in all these, like I think no other – lyricist would invite so many connections all across philosophy and, and your own personal history and, uh, you know, um, other artists, other art, um, uh, visual art, uh, movies. Um, it's each, each post for each song is kind of, um, a beautiful, uh, cornucopia of, of digressions and, and connections and, um, Where Are You Tonight, you talk about the hero's journey, Uh, you know, good old uh, Joseph Campbell, right?
1: Yeah, good old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, old reliable. Yeah, and talk about Guy Debord and uh, the Situationist and Derive. Um, Yeah, that one was especially fun one to do. But yeah, I mean, first of all, thanks, John, for saying those words about the blog. I I really appreciate that. But, you know, like each one of those songs and each one of those posts is a little challenge. And, you know, that's why I I like writing about a single song because, you know, each one is because it's its own contained little box as opposed to writing about an album. You know, I, I never really understood like album reviews because, you know, within an album, you know you can hear some different voices, different points of views, different sounds, whereas like at least within one song, you know it it's its own contained unit, I guess you could say, yeah. and you know you're a musician you you can tell me if I'm wrong but but for me, like it like uh, that's why I kind of said like I can say a lot more than one or two sentences you know, for each one. And, you know, so then each song presents its own challenge to be like, okay, how, how do I present this? You know, do I want to make connections with other Dylan songs or with maybe how he, you know, commented on the song specifically or, you know, how others have, you know, commented on the song, or maybe there's just some kind of left field connection that I've always just kind of, harbored you know and and so you talked about the pandemic that was kind of my thing i've been listening and thinking about music for like 30 years Mm -hmm. and have a whole bunch of opinions on stuff or ideas and thoughts and i said well i how about now just being that time that i'll I, i can get all of this stuff out there so yeah that that's kind of been the the sort of Working philosophy um, for for this thing.
2: You talk about uh, subterranean homesick blues, one of the you know most famous uh, Bob Dylan songs and relate that to MF Doom and some of your own family stories, Tangled Up in Blue, talking about uh, kind of how he kind of shoots a hole through the idea of of sequential time and the self and is constantly reworking uh, tangled up in blue. Um, you, you had a run talking about, uh,
1: wait, can I just say something about the tangled up in blue? Just about that really quickly. Um, what's so cool about that is he's been rewriting that song ever since he put it out there. Um, you know, some, and it's one of his most famous songs, you know, like a rolling stone. He basically doesn't touch at all, whereas tangled up in blue, every opportunity he gets, he takes a different take on it. And that's what I find so fascinating about that thing.
2: It's like, uh, um, Walt Whitman did with, with, uh, leaves of grass.
1: Ah, There, you're making your own connection. Where's your recliner notes post (laughs) on it?
2: Well, that leads me to my next question. Uh, what's next, right? Uh, Recliner notes. Isn't just a Bob Dylan, uh, Blog website, right. right? What do you are, are you going to divulge? What's what's next on the horizon now that you're <laughs> filling finishing this up?
1: Well, I have a couple of big ideas, but um, I'll say your first publicly, just because I like you, John. Uh-huh. Uh, I I think I'm gonna uh, look at some Elvis Costello songs. I okay. like him a lot, and he's very ripe for. Uh, for similar exploration, so uh, probably won't do 80, mm-hmm. um, but it, uh, but yeah, but that's on the horizon.
2: Excellent. Well, I'm excited for it, and people really have to go and uh, check out Recliner Notes, and uh, also you can listen to Scott's uh, sports show, and we didn't even talk about how baseball's coming back Scott I know um,
1: Baseball's back Yeah
2: um, You can get um, Well uh, Run that back His show is uh, With Tom Chalmers Is uh, weekly On um, Asheville FM Our sister station Here to Radio Free Brooklyn But it's (laughs) It's also You can get it Wherever you get podcasts Right That's correct That's right all right, Scott. I gotta get ready for uh, Crime Talk BK. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show, and we'll we'll get you back soon, and we'll we'll uh, get
1: coordinate off again. I can't wait. Thanks so much, John. I love the show. Always love talking to you.
2: All right. Have a good one. Get that power back on. You too. Bye bye. Bye. All right. How about that? If you're listening on your computer, you can download the app for your phone. That works great. Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org If you want to donate, there's a green donate button You can also sign up for our newsletter Next week, we got the Oscar Spectacular uh, Looking at the 10 nods Seeing which one will get the nom Um, Bob Dylan, Tangled Up in Blue The song that he keeps reworking But this is the original Um, You've been listening to Race to the Bottom Radio Free Brooklyn. Peace.
0: Fast was close behind I seen a lot of women But she never escaped my mind and I just grew Triangle up in blue She was working in a topless place And I stopped in for a beer I just kept looking at the side of her face in the spotlight so clear yeah. Later on when the crowd thinned out I was just about to do the same She was standing there in back of my chair I said, Timmy, don't I know your name? I murdered something underneath my breath She studied the lines of my face I must admit felt a little uneasy When chipping down the tie and laces Of my shoes Trying to love blue And offered me a pipe I thought you'd never say hello She said you look like a silent type And she opened up a book of poems And handed it to me Written by an Italian poet From the 13th century And every one of them words rang true and glow like burning coal, cold Pouring off of every page Like it was written in my soul But me to you On Montague Street, the basement down the stairs. There was music in the cafes at night and revolution in the air. Then he started into dealing with slaves and something inside of him died. She had to sell everything she owned and froze up inside. And when it finally the bottom fell out, I became withdrawn. The only thing I knew how to do was to keep on keeping on. Like I got blurred. The